I want the rest of you to stand up with me for just a minute. I want you to hold your Bibles up. If you have a Bible, hold it up. If you don't have a Bible with you, shame, 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 shame. I'm not ministering condemnation, but I am saying shame on you. Come to church. I want you to say with me, this is my sword. This is my wisdom. And say, I receive it tonight in Jesus' name. Now, don't sit down. We're going to read one opening verse. We're in the book of Philippians, the joyful letter. If you need more joy, want more joy, say joy. joy. Well, I'll tell you, our world needs joy. And uh, so we're looking at Philippians. I think we're going to go from Philippians into Colossians. It's sort of a, a duo, the dynamic duo, Philippians, Colossians, colossal Colossians, and uh, Philippians. I like teaching you the Word of God, all of it. And so we're going to look tonight at God is working in you. Aren't you glad of that? Can you say with me, I'm glad I'm not working on me. God's working in me. Now say something with me. God works it in me, and I work it out of me. Now let's read verse 12 of chapter 2, and I'm going to go through, I think, verse 18. But let's just start here. Therefore, my beloved. As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Now read this with me, can you everyone? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now stop a minute. We're about to read what seems like a contradiction. He says, you work out your own salvation, but then it says what? For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, here's where I get that little statement. God works it in you, you work it out of you. God works it in, you work it out. Can you say it with me? God works it in, I work it out. And so, let's look at this tonight. Father, thank you for your word. Open our hearts to it. Speak to us tonight, Father. Teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, perk up and listen, you're going to need this. I tell you, if there was ever a time we needed the Word of God, it is sure now. Amen? We need the Word of God. Now, let's look here. God works it in you, and then He wants you to work it out. God works it in, and you work it out. This is what I want to look at tonight, because God is at work in you and me. Now, can I be bold enough to say, God is not working in everybody. You know why? Because not everybody are God's children. You say, well, yeah, they are. Everybody's God's children. Isn't that kind of the pretty poetic thing that everybody always says? We're all God's children? No. God created everybody. But you're not a child of God until you've been born again. Now, I'm not quoting Jeff Wickwire. I'm quoting the Word of God. You must be born again if you're ever going to enter the, children, uh, the kingdom of heaven. And... You've got to be born again to be a true child of God. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. So Jesus told the Pharisees, the religious teachers of his day, their father was the devil. He was basically, in essence, saying, you haven't been born again. So contrary to all political correctness, you've got to be born again to be a child of God. 
And if you've been washed in the blood, then the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of you. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man, any woman be in Christ, they are a new creation. You're not a new creation until you're in Christ. The old is passed away and everything is become new. So, once we're a child of God, something happens. We become His workmanship. Isn't that what the Bible says? You are His workmanship. You are God's construction project. You are God's workmanship. And He doesn't just work on you on Sundays or Wednesday nights. You are His workmanship 24-7, 365 days a year. When the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you, and you have become a born-again child of God by the blood of Jesus, then you immediately become His workmanship. And He never stops working on you and in you and through you. Now, there does seem to be a contradiction in terms here. He says, you work out your own salvation, but then he says, it's God who's working in you. So what is the difference? Well, I'm going to tell you, tell you what the difference is. We all know that works don't save us. Works don't save us, but here's what works do. They confirm that we have been saved. Works, the outworking of God's Spirit in your life, is a confirmation and affirmation that you have been saved. You can't be saved and, and have it not show. James said, you show me your faith without any works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. See, you can't have saving faith and have it not affect you. Salvation begins on the inside out. Salvation is an inside job. And so, works don't save us, but man, I tell you, when I got saved, it immediately began to show. Now, I wasn't perfect. I'm not perfect now. Not by a stretch, but I ain't what I used to be. Can you say that? Thank God. Hey, you're not what you're going to be, but you're not what you used Where did you used to be on Wednesday nights? You sure weren't in church praising God. What's happened to you? Holy Ghost came to live inside of you. He changed you. If he wasn't working in you, you wouldn't have gotten on I-35 and rush hour traffic and beat your way over here trying to keep yourself saved and keep yourself in the Spirit and keep yourself holy with all those crazy people driving around you. You would have been sitting at home watching reruns of I Love Lucy, but something happened to you. And it's called salvation. And he came to live inside of you. And now there's something happening you inside of you that is a miracle, that is powerful, that is able to do what hundreds of hours on a psychiatrist's couch could never do. So works confirm that we have been saved. Now, here's what he's telling us. When he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, he's saying, first, we are to cooperate with God's working in us. There is a cooperation factor in salvation. There's a cooperation factor. We are to cooperate with God's working in us. 
Now, you know I'm a word guy. I like words. I love words. I, I, to me, words tell a lot, especially when you're dealing with Bible words. And you take this verse where there's two times works is used, work out your own salvation, there's the first time, for it is God working in you, that's the second time. You know those are two completely different Greek words? And yet if you read it in the English Bible, you just see work, work. But in the Greek that this Bible, New Testament, was primarily written in, it's two completely different words. Now the first work, when he says work out your own salvation, is from a word that means to be engaged in or with. To cooperate with. To work together with. That's what it means. Now if you're married tonight, you know that when you get married, there's no way that marriage is going to work if only one of you is working at it. It's got to be both of you. Or it ain't going to work. You've got to work together towards a goal. And if you're not working together, that dog won't hunt. That boat won't float for long. It'll start taking in water and it'll sink. Now here, he's saying, work out your own salvation. God has come to live inside of you. He's working inside of you by the power of his spirit. But you've got to work alongside him, cooperate with him, towards the goal of you reaching and me reaching spiritual maturity. That's what God is after. He's after spiritual maturity. He's not just after to get you saved. He's after your spiritual maturity where we have grown into the fullness of the stature of Christ. Where love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, and faith are fully developed in us so that when somebody looks at us, gets around us, they might as well have just gotten around you remind them there is a family resemblance because now you've got the DNA of God in you you've got the genetics of God in you you were born again of incorruptible seed the incorruptible seed of the Word of God that means you have had deposited in your spirit the divine DNA So that, after a while, like with any little child, the more that little child grows, the more he starts looking like mom and dad. Oh, I see. That's your boy. That's your girl. Oh, I see them all over you. Or you say something like this. Oh, he sure looks more like mom than dad. But as he gets older, it usually switches. Boy, he sure looks more like dad than mom. But you see that that child begins to resemble the parents. And see, God's desire is that because we have been born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God, and now we have divine DNA inside of us that we would eventually begin to resemble the one who birthed us. Hello, y'all. I mean, that's what it's all about. And, and, and so if you've been in Christ 30 years and can't anybody find any family resemblance in you, something's wrong. That's why these churches that have been there forever, we've been here 400 years. We were founded 400 years. And you go in there and there's 100 people in there, grouchy, miserable, mean, judgmental. You go, hey, after four centuries, you ought to look like dad. 
Isn't it a shame that some people are in Christ for decades and never take on any family resemblance? That's not right. That's not going to happen here. Not if you, not if you know the Word of God. Because the Word of God tells us that God wants us to grow in the family likeness. Now, Paul is telling us that we are to cooperate and work with God in our process of maturing. And, of course, the, the great apostle, Paul, practiced what he preached. Look what he wrote here in 1 Corinthians 15, 10. He said, But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me, and not without results. Can everybody say with me, not without results? God did not pour his favor on me, his grace on me, in vain. But he says, I have what, everyone say it with me, worked harder than any of the other apostles. See, he was working alongside with and cooperating with God. He said, God did not pour his grace on me in vain. He didn't waste his time with me. It was not a futile effort. Now, how many of you want to be able to say, he didn't give me his grace in vain? But I'm growing. I'm growing and I'm responding to that grace by working alongside God in my maturity process. Now, how do we cooperate with God? Read that word with me real good and loud. Preach to me, can you? Obedience. That is how we cooperate with God. It's simple, isn't it? Obedience. It's not complicated. I don't have to read you a whole book to tell you how to cooperate with God. Obedience. When we obey the promptings of His Spirit and the clear directives of His Word, we are also cooperating with His will. How many of you can say that this week you experienced a prompting of the Holy Spirit to do something and you did it? I mean, you know, the Holy Spirit's working in you all week long. Now, it may have been something minor, may have been something major. The Holy Spirit prompted you, and you knew it. He was talking to you. He nudged your heart. He witnessed to you about something. And you said, you know what, I'm going to obey. And you obeyed. And when you did that, you cooperated with God. And let me tell you, every time you obey God, you grow. Every time. If he tells you, I want you to forgive that person, and through gritted teeth, you obeyed, and you experience that freedom of forgiveness, you just grew. If God tells you to get away from something and you obey, you just grew. If he tells you to witness to somebody and you obey, you just grew. It's really not complicated. Look what Paul wrote. He said, but we do strongly and earnestly desire for each of you. No, this is, I'm sorry, this is Peter. I recognize it. He says, We do strongly and earnestly desire for each of you to show the same, what everyone, diligence and sincerity all the way through in realizing and enjoying the full assurance and what? Development of your hope until the end. Now look what he says. Now God is working in you. Remember, we're going to look at that in a minute. But working out your own salvation is described by Peter here as well. He says, for this very reason, adding your diligence, that's a work word, diligence. I'm being diligent about something. Adding your diligence to the divine promises, employ every effort 
in exercising your faith to do what everyone develop. So look, God works in us. God gives us the promises. But then we've got to respond to the grace, respond to the promises, and work alongside with God by obeying. So man, I'm going to put my hand to this plow. I'm going to be involved in what God wants me to do. I'm going to obey Him so that I can grow. So he says, if you add diligence to the divine promises and you employ every effort, that's 24-7, 365 days a year, you employ every effort in exercising your faith to develop. Look, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and Christian love. Do you notice? He says, add those things to your faith. And how do you do it? You employ every effort. You add diligence. You're walking alongside God. So when God says to me, Jeff, you know what? You're not going to grow if you don't get up and get my word. Well, I can never say, you know, Lord, that sounds great, but I'll, I'll wait a few years down the road. Uh, I just don't feel like it right now. You know what you just did? You just, you just fossilized in your growth. You just stagnated. When God says, I want you to pray for 15 minutes a day. I want you to learn how to pray that way and I want you to grow from there. But I want you to start at 15 minutes a day. And you, there's an impression on your heart. And I believe God talks to us that way. And we ignore that. We just stagnated. We will not grow beyond our last step of obedience. Now, I don't know about you, but I know life is short and then you die. And I want to grow. And so I grow by obedience. And he says, hey, add these things to your faith. Make it a job. Make it something you put your hand to. And that shows that we're to work out our own salvation. We're working alongside God. We're to do this, he says, with fear and trembling. Because something holy is taking place. That means do it with deep reverence and fear. You ought to be afraid of not growing. I tried to make that word fear not as bad as it is in the original language, but I couldn't get away from it. It is terror. You ought to be terrified of not growing. I wish I could make it an easier fear word, but I can't. You ought to be terrified of not growing, terrified of being where you were spiritually 10 years ago. It ought to scare the bejeebies out of you. Y'all are solemn tonight. Amen, Pastor Jeff. I'm going to get this CD because I need to hear this. Where, where do we find the strength? Now, now, God says, work along with me. Work with me. Work with me at this. I want you to add to your faith. I want you to give due diligence to what I've called you. I want you to work at your spiritual growth. It's going to take some effort from you. So we say, where in the world do I find the strength to do this? He gives the answer. Because God is working in you. Giving you, say it with me, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Now here we've got a second word for working. It's not the first word. First word is you work alongside God, but this word is the word energeo. That's the Greek word, energeo. And you know what we get from that word? Energy. We get energy from energeo. Here's what he's telling us. God is energizing you. In your inner man, 
I just had a Holy Spirit rush. Because I want you to get this. See, when you got saved, you didn't get religious. You had a person come to live inside of you. His name is Jesus. He came to dwell in you by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And that Jesus who lives in you by the Spirit of God came into you with energy. He energizes you. Energeo. And Paul is saying that God is within us by His Spirit energizing us in two ways. How does this energizing manifest itself? To will something and to work towards something. He energizes me with a divine want to do. A divine want to do. I want to do something because I've been divinely moved on to want to do it. <laughs> That's good news. Because, you know, most of us left to ourselves, if something's not energizing us, we just couch potatoes with a channel changer in a trance. But he says, the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of you comes to energize you to will and to do. I want to tell you something. One of the great ev evidences of the Spirit of God living in with, within somebody's heart is a change in their desires, in their motivations. You tell me you're saved and there's no change in your desires, no change in your motivations, no change in your lifestyle, I can tell you you're not saved. You're not Bible saved. Because when you get Bible saved, I'm not saying you're perfect, and I'm not saying all of your desires and motivations are pure. But you do have something begin to happen on the inside of you. And it is a holy motivation, a desire for the things of God. I'm preaching good tonight, y'all. I'm preaching good tonight. I'm going to go ahead and just tell myself that. I'm preaching good tonight. Everybody needs to hear this. You're not in this thing alone. He changes your desires, and that's one of the key signals that you've been saved. Because the things you used to hate, you start loving. Things you used to love, you start hating. Things that you used to have a blast with, now if you do it, it just grieves you to the core. Because you've got something inside of you now, a new nature. And that new nature has new desires and new motivations. And it is this sincere longing to please God, to walk with God, to, to, to walk in righteousness. God places within us a divine want to do. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, do you want to do? God's will? That came from Him. It's a supernatural desire, and it energizes us to please Him, to do what is right, and to live a clean and a holy life. And that's the desire that the Holy Spirit energizes us with. And so, man, you know, I'm not in church because I have to be. I'm in church because I want to be. I don't pray because I've got some religious ruler beating me over the head I pray because I want to be in his presence I don't worship him because somebody's making me I worship him because I want to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise he's changed my want to do and that's just the way that God works and so thank God man and he knew that he had to do that with us 
He knew he had to change or I wanted to. Because before we were saved, everything we wanted to do had an evil base, a wrong base, a carnal base, a fleshly base. In Paul's own spiritual growth process, he talked about this very thing. Listen to what he said. Yet it was not I, but it was God who was what, everyone? Working through me by his grace. So this kind of working is energizing. Now the second thing that God's energizing spirit accomplishes in us is the ability. He doesn't give you a desire you can't fulfill. I'm going to say that again. He doesn't give you a desire you can't fulfill. He doesn't dangle a carrot in front of your face and, and, and you can't reach it. If he tells you to walk in righteousness, you can. If he tells you to walk away from something, you can. If he tells you to walk towards something, you can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens you. So he gives you a desire and then he gives you the, the power to, to follow through with that desire. All right? To work them out into action. To live your life accordingly. Now you're going to stumble some Oh, yes, for sure. You're not going to hit the target every time, but you know what? That holy, energizing desire inside of you is not going to go away. And God's going to teach you and train you and discipline you until finally you're standing on your feet and you're walking. He says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him for His good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Now, I want you to leave tonight, and those of you who are friends listening by radio, I want you to think about this. God is not a divine tease. He does not say, walk in purity if you can't walk in purity. He doesn't say, put down those cigarettes or put down that alcohol or put down those drugs if he can't give you the power to do it. That's not my God. My God does not mess with our hearts. He doesn't promise something he can't bring to pass. So he's telling us right here, God's energeo, his energizing spirit, is living inside of you as a child of God. He's there. When you wake up, whether you feel him or not, he's there. If you have a rough day and the devil's nipping at your heels and everybody around you is barking at you, he's still there. And, and though the mountains be removed and fall into the midst of the sea, still the Lord is a very present strength in trouble. He's there. But He's not just around you. He's in you. And He's in you to energize you to desire that which He desires for you. Now let me just show you something. He says, he says delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that what the psalmist said? Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, watch this. The way we've always taken that is, well, if I just delight myself in the Lord, get into church, get into the Bible, get into prayer, get into fellowship, and please Him, then bless God, He's going to give me what I want. That's not what He meant. When you start delighting in the Lord, the desires that are birthed in you, He gave you. And He doesn't give you a desire unless He intends for you to work it out and experience it in time and space. So He gives you 
Delight yourself in the Lord, and He's going to start filling your heart with the right desires. I'm going to tell you what got me into the ministry. I was a long-haired hippie. I'm talking about turn me sideways, you couldn't find me. 130 pounds soaking wet hair down to here, parted down the middle, pulled into a ponytail, wire rim glasses. If I showed you a picture, you might not come back to church. But see, something dangerous happened to me. In juvenile home, as a 16-year-old, I'd never heard of God, was not raised in church. Never heard John 3.16, never heard. The only thing about Jesus I ever heard was Jesus Christ Superstar, are you really who they say you are? The, the pop opera. That's the only way I ever heard the name of Jesus. But I got in jail, sale of narcotics, 16 years old. And they came in and they shared the gospel. Some, a Baptist preacher, three young people with a guitar, sang a few th songs that I thought were horrible. And he stood up and he looked like Clark Kent. And I thought, oh no, he's not going to say anything I want to hear. But he quoted John 3.16. And it was just like an arrow shot straight into my heart. And something began talking to me. I'd never prayed a prayer, never even thought about looking up and talking to any kind of God. But it nailed me. And something said to me that night, in all of my dark, dark, black spiritual ignorance, something started talking to me. And I knew, this voice seemed to say, if you will do what he said, I'm going to change your life. If you don't, you're doomed. I stood up, walked into another room with this man, a total stranger. He took my hands and said, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I never prayed in my life. I prayed a simple prayer that he led me in, and something happened to me. Faith was working in my heart. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, the Gentile. That means you and me, most of us. And I got saved. And that night, instantly, my desires began to change. I said to the guard, as he took me back to my room, the man had given me a little striped New Testament. Little paperback striped New Testament, good news for modern man. You might remember that one. And he said, he, I said, will you leave my light on? I want to read this. And he said, sure. So he locked me in my room. I was alone in a room, a cell. And I opened up this little New Testament. I read the Bible for the first time in my entire life. I began to read about Jesus, walking on the water, healing the sick, raising the dead cleansing lepers and his teachings the sermon on the mount i poured through that thing you couldn't you could I, I i read fast and as much as i could take in and i began to have my faith build and my desires began to change and that night i looked up and said god if there's anything you can do with the mess i've made of my life i give you my life dangerous prayer because then then see what i'm telling you tonight happened to me the energeo, the Holy Spirit, came inside Jeff Wickwire's heart. I didn't know what he was. I knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. Zero. I only knew that I had felt something in that room when we prayed. A, a presence. But I didn't know what it was. And I didn't get sent to prison. I got probation. I was sent away for a year to a ranch just outside of Austin. And I'm going to tell you, I wandered, I strayed, 
that preacher doesn't know to this day what happened to me. He was a Baptist. I didn't know that I should stay in the Bible. I didn't know that I should pray. I didn't know that this was my source of life and wisdom and balance. And so I went off into some Eastern things, tried meditating, tried finding God in trees and bushes and things and birds and rivers and red Siddhartha and all these Damien and all these weird Eastern mysticism deals, all the while looking for the same experience I had in jail. But the same spirit that found me in jail found me in my wandering and got out went back to my I didn't mean to tell you this tonight but I got to tell you this because I know what I'm telling you is the truth so watch this I went home I got out after a year went home had no idea what to do with my life I was 17 years old and didn't have a clue and I was not in relationship with God I was not praying I had been born again but didn't know what to do with it one day I looked up and I said, God, if you don't show me what to do, I'm going to kill myself. I need to know what to do. About a week later, on my apartment door, I opened it, and here's two guys I used to do drugs with, standing there, smiling, with Bibles. And I said... Uh-oh. You know how you are when you're away from God and somebody knocks on your door and they got a Bible in their hand. You don't want to see them. You don't want to talk to them. I said, hey, man, what's going on? Jeff, we found Jesus. Well, that's great. See you later. I was just headed out the back door. No. He said, we want to invite you to come to a Bible study. You want to come? I don't know. I'll, I'll get in touch with you. What have you all been doing? Well, we found Jesus. So shut the door. They went away. Holy Spirit came into my room again. And said to me the same thing. Go with them. If you don't, you're in trouble. So I went with them. In South Dallas to a house. They had guitars. They were worshiping God. They all looked like me. Blue jeans, long hair, hippies, wire rim glasses, the whole bit. But they were crying in the presence of God. And that night I said, Lord, if I can have what they have, I'll do anything. Another dangerous prayer, because pow, the Holy Spirit came upon me in a way. Now, I don't know where your is, and I'm really not worried about it. If you want to call it baptism in the Spirit, if you want to call it filled with the Spirit, if you want to call it touched with the Spirit, I don't care. I'm not semantically involved. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost got all over me and in me, and I began to tremble and shake, and something began to happen on the inside of me. And it was just what the Bible says. He pours out on your heart the Holy Ghost, and with the Holy Ghost comes his love. And his love flooded me where I felt like my top of my head was going to blow off. I walked out of the group, walked out in the front yard. Nobody told, told me or taught me how to raise my hands or thank God. I started having a Holy Spirit moment all by myself in the front yard somewhere in South Dallas. And God touched me with the Holy Spirit, and I found out that if you don't know where you are, he knows where you are. And if you think somebody can't reach you, he can reach you. And it's never over until God has had his say. And God can change your life. And ever since then, I was a high school dropout. I hadn't gotten past the ninth grade. 
He told me to go to college. I went to college. Then he told me to go to graduate school. I went to graduate school. Then he told me to get a doctorate. I got a doctorate. He expanded my brain. You know what I can say? It is God working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And I'll close with this. How did I end up in the ministry? Desire. Just sitting in a little Bible study one night, just worshiping the Lord, never even for a moment thought about ever opening my mouth to teach the Word of God. Suddenly a desire was dropped into my heart, and it began to chew on me and eat me alive. And I became like Jeremiah. Jeremiah said I wanted to shut up, but his word became in my heart like a burning fire, and I could not keep it in. I preach because I have desire, and it's from him. And he gave me the power to do it. Now, you are no different. Whatever his will is for you, he's going to show you through desire that is holy and sanctified. And if he gives you the desire, he's going to give you the power to walk it out. Can we stand together? Well, I didn't mean to go into all that tonight. Now, you notice how we're closing on this last page. It says, he does this for his good pleasure. That's taken from a word meaning his good planning. This passage is telling us that God is providentially at work to produce whatever good comes out of our lives. And Paul encourages us not to muddy the waters along the way. And I'm going to deal with that next time because I ran out of time. We're going to talk about complaining next time. Let's turn it off, Jeff, because I'm going to discourage them. They won't come back next week. <laughs> now we're going to show you, once you're on your way, don't muddy the waters. The Lord wanted me to share what I did tonight for some reason. Maybe somebody in here is really discouraged, and you feel like, wow, it just seems like I'm not getting anywhere, or I'm even worse than that, going back. I can't seem to get a grip. can't seem to find myself. I want to tell you, God knows where you are, and God will find you, and God will bring you home, and God will give you desires that he'll confirm through his word, desires he'll confirm from other places, and he'll give you the power to walk out what he has called you to do. I want you to thank him. And, and if this was for you, particularly tonight, I want you to take a minute and give your life to the Lord. Turn yourself over to the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Let His Word talk to you. Thank you, Lord. I guarantee you it's not over until God has had his say. Thank you, Lord.